Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. Thank God for God. Praise God. It's been a good day already, you guys. Um, Let me say a couple quick things before we dive into part two of our series here. Um, Let me say a special thanks. We do this often, but I want you to hear it again and again. A special thanks to our military uh, and your families as well, but especially to our veterans as we are going into uh, a special week here. And uh, I remember uh, uh, when when my brother, who was 82nd Airborne, was in the Gulf War, and my, my family rallying around that TV, watching CNN News and Fox News, and so I just want to thank you and thank God for you. If you're a veteran or you know a veteran, reach out to them and love them this week and thank God for them, but we are indebted to all of your service, so thank you. We love you, and I want you to give it up for you real quick. And let me invite you out to our Wednesday night. Um, If you have ever wondered, and I know you have, how to stay somewhat sane and pure in a world that's always clawing at you to move in the way of sin, I want to unlock a secret Wednesday night at our midweek Bible study. And I bet you've never heard this before because it's buried deep in Scripture and you have to do some mining to find it. But once it's unlocked, it will revolutionize your life. And so I'm not going to tell you what it is. We're not going to record it. But you can save your seat right now to come Wednesday at 6 o'clock. We got a free meal. And then we're going to stuff you full of the Word of God. And we're going to unlock an old secret of the Holy Spirit on how to navigate impurity through this sin-sick world. How does that sound? Come check it out. And uh, before, we, uh, before we dive in, uh, I want to thank our kids staff um, and all the hard work through COVID that you guys have done. It's been weird trying to navigate the, the rules. And we got several of our staff uh, sitting in this service and the others are working right now uh, to love your children. And they're easy to love. I love your children as well. But we finally, through a lot of hard work and prayer, opened up our school age classroom. So I want you to clap. Now listen, listen. nothing. (laughs) Cassidy and I had this great plan that we were going to clap and they were going to clap back. Maybe that wall needs to come down. Amen. (laughs) A conversation for another day. We're doing quite well and the county's moving quickly on our construction as well. Oh, one last thing, guys. Pray for us. Um, We know it's hard to get a seat here uh, with our save a seat and God's still moving greatly up front line. And we are praying uh, after Christmas 
to start a Saturday service, a Saturday night service. We'll do a survey and see if we can open up some seats on Sunday uh, to try to get everybody back in and allow some seats open for our visitors as well. But let me, uh, let me welcome as well our Frontline Online family. Love you guys all over the world. People are watching back in the States. Mom, what's up? I'm on my best behavior. Uh, but you guys who cannot join us, who are joining us on Facebook and YouTube, lean in. Shove the person sitting next to you. Tell them, I'm locked in. The, the, the Lord is a word for me today. I'll talk to you in 36 minutes. Open your Bibles to James chapter 2, you guys. We're in part 2 of a great series right now uh, called At the Table. It's Thanksgiving season for us who are American. And I know some of our German families in our church have adopted this a little bit. And I was joking last week. I'm like, I don't know if I know anymore what Thanksgiving is about, Ita. In, in the Murs family, it's about football and eating. And I'm not sure I'm going to apologize about that. It's a good time. And I'm spending it with some sweet friends uh, who are here at Frontline. And I'm excited about getting around the table with friends and just relaxing. Amen. And just talking. But it gave me an idea. The Lord gave me an idea to start talking about table talk in our lives. How do we sit around the table of life in our different realms, whether that's home or work or high school, uh, people you do like and people you didn't invite. Sit around these tables of life and we've got to figure out how to get along. I don't know if there's a better series with the climate of the United States of America right now than I'm going to unpack right now especially today. So this is part two, and here's what I want to talk to you about. Take a picture of our screen here if you got a phone or write a note. I want to talk to you today about table talk, table talk. And you already know where I'm going with this sermon, table talk. And again, I think this is the perfect timing for this message. I don't plan these messages out well, but this series I did. I was way ahead of the game, and the timing of this sermon with what's going on in the world, to me, is of God. And God's going to speak to you today. Now, this is one of those sermons where you're going to be tempted to get all quiet on me. Please don't. If you feel conviction, that's the Lord loving you, moving you into growth. Go ahead and just clap. Amen? All right. Thanksgiving is a coming. And you are going to sit with family, no doubt, even if it's very small groups this year. You may have a coworker over. I don't know why you would. Uh, you'll probably need a break, amen? You will probably have some friends over. That's a sweet time. Um, you will have guests over, no doubt. Maybe you'll spend it just as a family. I don't know. But how many of you guys know that when you get together with other people, it can be messy? It can be messy like a Thanksgiving table. I, don't, I think there should be rules in families where you do not clean up till the next day after you eat, amen? But sometimes that mess is figurative for the relationships at the table. Anybody who enters relationships and desires to get closer to humans will collide with humans. That is not new news for us. This is an intelligent crowd. I know you know that. Being with people is not easy. And I think that's why smaller groups are sometimes advantageous. But so often... In these, in these Thanksgiving meals or any type of gathering that you've had, you know that sometimes there's uninvited guests. You know, it's when your daughter brings a boyfriend 
or so-and-so brings a coworker and they didn't tell you. And you're supposed to approve these relationships and they didn't, they didn't bring that by you. And you know that, that awkward moment when you're all, this is a little table uh, because it's a COVID season. But let's say this was a table, a fellowship, maybe it's Thanksgiving. And it's always weird when that knock at the door happens and you know your son never knocks, but he's nervous because he's got an uninvited guest. And when he comes in and that person sits at the table, five minutes ago, it was this fellowship. It was natural, it was fun. But now there's this person sitting at the table. And, and don't lie with, don't lie to me today, guys. It's the Lord's day. You can do that tomorrow. I'm just kidding. But you know what it's like when, when all of a sudden the atmosphere in the room changes and, and you start texting under the table to your friends, get me out of here. All of a sudden things get really weird. How do we sit at the table with each other? And again, it's all figurative because sometimes this is work, the table of work. Sometimes it's when you fly back to the States and it's the table of family. Maybe it's, in your, it's, it's your own home right now. But no doubt relationships are hard and we've got to learn how to get along. That's not just some political Fox News verbiage or anything else. This is gospel stuff. This is Christian stuff. And if you're here and you're not a Christian or you're watching online and you're not a Christian, I want you to lean in. We're not perfect people. We got a perfect Savior. But I will tell you that we owe you an experience with God because we claim to have the Spirit of God and He is the one who empowers us to repair relationships. We've got a new power and we've got a new pattern. We've got a new power in the Holy Spirit to love each other. First Thessalonians, Paul writes to this church and he goes, I don't have to teach you how to love one another because that love invaded you. We've got a new power, but we've also got a new pattern, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got the Bible that we can look at and say, here's how he treated people. Now, we know we're robed in this sinful flesh, and so it doesn't come overnight. That's why we have a church to work at it through stuff like this series. But we've got to learn how to get along, amen? Somebody clap for that. I don't know if you're clapping because you got relationship problems or not, but that's okay. Just clap. But the environments, guys, and this, I love relationships. Most days, the environment in which people belong is so amazingly powerful that non-Christian realms equate it to health. Like literally, we're as healthy as our relationships. Do you know that? Like people can physically break down, and we know we'll, we'll emotionally and mentally break down due to broken fabric and relationships. Uh, let me read Isaiah 32. We'll throw it up here. It's the most precious verse when it comes to this place we call home or this thing we call a table or a work environment or a church environment. And this is, this is prophetic stuff. This is speaking about when Christ comes back and heals the world, amen? Man, come Lord Jesus. But he says this right here, and I love this. He goes, my people, my people will abide in a peaceful habitation, amen? Like from home to the state to the country, we will work, we will invent, we will party and fellowship. And he goes, my people will not have to battle with each other anymore. I long for that day. He says, in secure dwellings, there will be no homes with fear. There will be no children wondering why parents are fighting. There will be no parents fighting anymore. 
There will just be the language of love. They will, there will just be the language of awesomeness and healing. There will be government on the new earth. And there will only be the language of God. And I love, I love how he packs the last piece in. And in quiet resting places. Like everywhere we go. And every person we talk to. Like you won't have to get drunk. To feel rested talking to people. Amen. Maybe you're like that's not what happens when I get drunk. Then stop drinking. Moving on. I'm preaching to you today. But I want to tell you. It is our relationships with others that makes life beautiful. Like, I don't know how to escape this. I know we've all tried to escape relationships to make life easier, but we immediately find another relationship because we're made for each other. We're wired for each other. Yet they're the hardest stinking things in the world. Even though we've become more mobile, even though we know we're becoming more individualistic in this world, we, we constantly recognize the importance of place, of belonging somewhere. And it's difficult because we all have this, this space called the table, and maybe it's home, maybe it's work, maybe it's a church, and we're all individually called by God to contribute to making it the most supernatural, special experience known on the planet. So we've got, we've got to work out what that looks like because most of us, when we, we came to Christ, we weren't taught how to do this. Most of us brought our past experience to the table. I, this wouldn't be a good sermon if I did not quote the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> which is romanticized in the movies. The Hobbit, there's, there's romance in these movies, which is total blasphemy against Tolkien. Because those books are all about fellowship and friendship. It's all about dudes that have each other's backs and are willing to die for each other. And it's really a symbol of what God can do in a group of people. And I love this. I, I cry in the movie when I, I get choked up. I'm looking at it right now. How do you get choked up over Thorn Oakenshield? But I, I, I love this part in the movie when he's dying and he's looking at this hobbit and all he wants is wealth. All this, this dwarf wants is wealth and wealth and wealth. And he looks up with a dying breath to this homely little thing, this hobbit, and he says, if more people valued home above golds, this world would be a merrier place. This table is sacred. These relationships are sacred. And so I ask myself, because I'm working on my relationships always, What's the quickest way to mess up the table? <laughs> like here we are. What's the quickest way to mess up the table? Like we all sit down. Maybe some of us are a little uncomfortable. Like you were invited. <laughs> okay. They gave you a job. I guess you're a part of the team now. Okay. They said I do. Dang. <laughs> okay. It's going to be a long run. What's the quickest way to mess this moment up? Words. Words. And I hate that. I hate that. Because I speak for a living. My table's big. But words. Have you, ever, have you ever left a real table, a dinner, and you just walked away and you said this, me and my big? 
You ever been at that table and everything's cool and you're nervous and you're trying to bring up a conversation and you're just like, oh, why did I say that? And for the rest of the night, everyone's just like, well, this is shot. I've had these moments, guys. I've had these moments where I say something and like literally I'll feel a kick under the table because to my right is my wife. She's just like, John, shut up. Let me talk. Me and my big mouth. But I want to go to a table. Um, it's actually a church in, in the book of James. And this, this table, this group of people in relationship are struggling. And they're in bad shape, really. And, uh, and one of the things that James, James says is the way we're going to repair these relationships at the table is by learning how to use our words better. And this can be a journey for us, guys. No throwing elbows. But let's look at James. And uh, I want you to notice, first of all, I'm not going to go there, but in James chapter 1, it says that he's writing to people that are under the dispersion. They have been rocked from their homes by political oppression. And that means a lot to me because it tells me that when you're under pressure and you're under a lot of weights, the inside's messed up, the heart gets messed up. And words come from the heart. And I attribute that to our situation today in our world. There's a lot of pressure right now. There's a lot of political pressure. There's a lot of, you're, most of you are in vocations where there's just pressure on you. And as a spouse, uh, there's pressure on you. And then there's just the normal things of, of being a parent. But we are, in a sense, under a pressure as well. And that's the quickest way to lose the words. It's very, it's very hard to relax at the table. Uh, it's very easy to use words to try to cope with stuff on the inside. But we don't realize what it does to people sitting at the table of life. And so let me show you a couple things. The first thing I want to establish is always the gospel. The gospel, the gospel. Someone write that down on YouTube. The gospel is everything. The gospel is the power to change. I'm talking about Christ dying on the cross. And when you accept him as your savior, you are invaded. You are infused with a new power from the Holy Spirit. And you cannot stay the same. I didn't say you grow quickly. I just said you can't be the same. Look at James chapter 2 verse 17. Here's what he establishes right off the bat. He's writing to broken relationship people, and he goes like this. Let me remind you, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, what does he mean right there? We can all say that we know Jesus as our Savior. We can all say, yeah, I'm born again. But if certain things are not changing in our lives, James says, we need to all look in our hearts. Because if Christ is there, Certain behavior patterns should be changing. Now, it's funny being a human being who's a, a Jesus follower because some of my sins changed overnight. Other ones, I'm still fighting. But I think the better, the better gauge is the fact that I don't want them anymore. I don't want to live with them anymore. That's a sure sign that the Holy Spirit is in me. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that overnight we should all be walking around glowing in the dark. But there should be something changing in us. And one of the things that James says that should be changing if the Spirit is in us is the way we talk. Praise God for grace because I have my good days and my really bad days. Praise God for grace. But this is what we're looking for is growth in the area of our words. Look at 411. So he establishes the problem they're having right now under the pressure. 
is coming out on each other. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Amen? Amen. And that's not a male problem. Uh, the original version says, do not speak evil against one another, family, brothers and sisters. So ladies, you're in this with us, okay? But he's saying we shouldn't do this if the spirit is in us. And I said, James, but you don't understand that person. He goes, well, just hold on, John. I'm gonna teach you to teach God's people in just a minute. He goes, the one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. What he's saying there, and this, James is a hard hitter. James goes like this. Paul's gonna be a little softer. We'll look at him in a minute. James goes like this. John, what you're doing, and I'm gonna use myself as an example so you don't think I'm condemning you. He goes, John, what you're doing is when you speak ill against people and you judge people and you gossip against people and you hurt people is you're asking God, no, you're moving God off the throne as the judge. What a mild little clap that was. I'm going to get a drink and see what you guys do. And I got to check my heart. Because right now, we've normalized speech that hurts people. We've normalized gossip. You know, I've laid down core values and strategies as a staff to box us in so we won't do these things. And our staff does very well at this. But I wonder if we need core values as Christians to say this is the behavior that we're going to own. I don't want to normalize poor speech. I don't want to normalize gossip. I want to see myself as trying to dethrone God as the true judge. Now, it's okay to discern. As a matter of fact, we're commanded to judge. But we got to do it in a righteous way. So there's a dangerous line here. So let's look at words. Let me give you one point today because that's all I want to give. <laughs> this is a lot. Some of you are back for the first time in months. I, this may be like you're stuffing steak down your throat. I get it. Come back next week. We'll be okay. We'll get back in shape here. But I want to give you one point today. And really, I'm, I'm leading the charge on this, uh, confessing that I want to repair the way I speak as the pastor. But I want to give you this thought. Uh, take a pic of this or write this down. Our table talk is creating the reality in people's minds. It's really what's happening at the table. Whether it's work or whether it's family or friends. In other words, when I speak, I'm creating reality in people's minds. And I'm not talking about the secret and that Netflix show and all that Oprah stuff. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about if I tell you a lie, God has given me the power to create an image that may stick in your brain. But I could also set you free by speaking words of life from Scripture that will break down a stronghold that you may have been imprisoned in for 20 years. So we're the only creatures. I was looking at my backyard. There was a herd of deer out there in my backyard. It's beautiful. And I was thinking to myself, we're the only creatures given the power to speak. But oh, is it powerful. Oh, is it powerful. I could walk into my bedroom and I could say one thing about my wife that is vicious and it may take 20 years for my wife to deal with that. But I could also say something that would build my wife up from scripture, a truth from God's voice and God's word that the spirit would take and absolutely weave into her soul and she would be beaming with the face of an angel. Our words at the table have power. Look at James 3 verse 2. You guys okay? Okay. 
Look at James 3. You guys okay on Facebook? (laughs) James 3 verse 2. I know you're there, okay? I just love you guys. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. Let's just be real. I love how real the Bible is. We're all going to screw this up, but we're all going to stumble in many ways. Okay? All of us are going to lie. All of us are going to lose our tempers. Um, We're going to fight it. We're going to try to grow. But all of us are going to stumble until the resurrection of the body. As long as we have these bodies and sin is in these bodies, we are going to stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, which is to say, but there's one thing that is going to be worse than the rest. And it's when we stumble with our words. And that's hard because I would rather stumble and it hurt people in a thousand other ways than words because words are so easy to use. So he goes, we're all going to stumble and make mistakes, but be careful when you stumble in what you say. He goes, if we could figure out how to not hurt people with our words, we would, we would literally become perfect. <laughs> and he's like, and you won't become perfect. You would also be able to bridle your whole body. What does he mean right there? He says that some sins just get a part of you in trouble. But when you sin with your words, you get your whole life in trouble. You get your whole life in trouble. You see, nobody fires a mouth. They fire a person for using the wrong words. Nobody divorces the tongue. You divorce a person for the words they use. And that's what James is saying. Words are so powerful, they really capture the whole person. And I'm like, yowch. Oh, we got some good news today. Don't worry, we do. And so he says, we're all going to trip up coming to the table. We are. We're going to be in bad moods and all this stuff. But tripping up with our words is the most dangerous. Gain control of your words and you'll keep your life out of trouble. That's what he says. How many of you guys can testify to that? Like I got myself in trouble because of what I said. And I'm having a hard time getting out of that trouble because someone found out what I said. And this shows us the power of words. Look at verse 3. He's going to illustrate it with three illustrations, and these are very nasty, but we're going to get through them. It's going to be okay. And they're from James's worlds, but I think you'll get, I think you'll get, I think you'll get the illustrations. Look at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, any country people here? Anybody grow up on horses? Really? I've never been on, I'm, I have to apologize, Emily. I've never been on a horse. Isn't that lame? I know, it's a shame. I know. Some of you guys should invite me out. Shameless plug, but I've never been on. But if, did you grow up with horses? So I bet as a little girl, it was really cool. You were probably little and your legs were sticking straight out, not even around the horse yet because you were little, but you could control the animal. You could control this little girl, could control this whole animal because of the thing that was in the animal's mouth. All right, brother, here I go. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide the whole bodies as well. Little tug here, this beast moves. Beautiful creature. Verse 4, anybody grow up on the Puget Sound or the water? What? I did. (laughs) We were too poor to have a boat, 
but we snuck on them, all right? Moving on. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large, like he's talking about these amazing cargo ships, and are driven by strong winds, like the winds could move this whole ship by having their sails up, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the winds can be blowing and blowing and blowing, but, but this little rudder could be moved and keep it on course. He says in verse 5, fire. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It can do great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. One of the national pastimes in California is enduring fires. Every year you set your calendar, it's fire season. It's fire season. I don't know about SoCal, but in NorCal, it's like a fire season. It's fire season. And every time it was some dude camping who didn't put a cigarette out. And it's, it's alarming stuff because from a spark, from a spark, from a word, I can set ablaze this table is what James is saying. Table talk. So the mouth gets the entire life in trouble. And if you look at verse 9, James 3 verse 9, I'm going to skip some verses. You'd be good to, to read them. He goes on and on about we've tamed every creature in the world, elephants and and all these amazing creations of God, but we can't tame the little tongue. But he says in verse 9, John, when you sit at the table, with the mouth you bless the Lord. You sing on the Lord's day with your people. And you bless the Lord and Father. And yet with it, you curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I just feel like I feel myself right there. I tell my wife, I read this Bible verse. You got to hear this Bible verse. You got to hear this Bible verse. God is speaking to me. Like I'm, I'm tearing up. <laughs> like, God, look at this. Never seen this. I've read this book 15 times. Never seen this verse. Like, look at this. She's like, what a blessing. Let's pray. Like, we just got to pray right now. Five minutes later, I can say, and you know what so-and-so did? We find a call down fire Bible verse for them. You know, just like that, I can spin this thing. I can leave church and I can go to another table and, and I can say something that I hurt someone and, and I'm trying to correct that. We're trying to correct that. And so we read this verse. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God, which is to say they're precious. They may be annoying, but there's still hope. And I think I'm tired of being at the table, so I look down at my phone. I'm texting my friend, get me out of here. Call me. Making an emergency call like I got to go. So-and-so just showed up at my table. Call me in three minutes. Tell me I got to come get you because your tire's flat. Hate this guy sitting at the table. And it's like the Spirit tells me, verse 9, with the mouth, John, you bless the Lord and you curse people. And then I look up at the table and they don't know what's going on inside me, but I look in their eyes, the windows of the soul. <sighs> I got to learn to speak different to these people. 
I was watching the Avengers, <laughs> slight shift. I think it was the Avengers. There's like 50 of those movies now. And Nebula said to uh, a group of these guys who were saying all these crazy things to each other, all any of you do is yell at each other. You're not friends. And Drax goes, you're right. We're family. And I was in the theater and I, I chuckled. Then I went, no. Like I've ruined more movies in my home. Hit pause. No. That's not our family. Because with a sarcastic word, I can hurt my family. And I'm all for joking. My house is kind of nutty. But no doubt, above all, family should speak words that give life. And what's hard with words, you guys, and maybe I, I don't think you've probably ever heard this, words are not equal, equally weighted. They're not equally weighted. Let's do the math. I can slip and say a hurtful word to this person, and I can tear down years of work. I could say 50 things to that person that are positive, and they'll struggle believing them. But I can say one thing, and I can rip the whole thing down. You and I can gossip one time about someone, and if that someone finds out about it, it can tear down 30 years of them trying to get their head screwed on because they find out one thing. So the math is wrong. I said that to the Lord this week. The math is wrong. I want to be able to say one kind thing to someone, and the Spirit of Jesus builds them up. And I want them to be so thick-skinned that it takes 50 bad things that I say about them for it to pierce. God says, no, doesn't work that way. Your words are weighted. Your words are weighted. And they're not equally weighted. And so we got to think about things. There's new things. There's digital tongues now. There's what we invented, the troll, the trolling. When we intentionally provoke others online. One out of three teens have been harassed online. It breaks my heart. Even body language speaks to people. It is no small thing being a human. So look at James 3 and verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursings. My brothers and sisters, I declare today in a world that's on fire, tearing itself down, these things... For those of us who have the spirit of Jesus and the word of God ought not to be so. Proverbs tells us, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Amen? Amen. And that's what I want to do at the table. That's what I want to do at the table. And so let me tell you this as well. The source is not equally weighted either. You see, if a stranger says something to you, if you're at the K-Town Mall and someone, someone looks at your shoes and they're like, where'd you get those? That is going to last about five seconds in your brain. You're going to go, who is that? Let's go eat. Who was that? Now, listen here, guys. Listen. The relationship is not equally weighted. If a friend says something to you that hurts, it's going to stick a little bit longer. 
it's going to stick a little bit longer. If a spouse says something to you that hurts, it's going to stick even longer. That's maybe a 150-pound weight. If a parent says something to a kid that that kid has poured so much trust into this parent, that's like a 300-pound weight. If a boss says something to an employee, that's like a 500-pound weight. There are certain things I don't say to my employees because I know the weight I carry because of my title. We've got to understand who we are in this world as well. I would say the thing that carries the most weight for whatever reason are fathers. There is, my, my wife can say all day long to our girls, such and such and such and such and such and such. And they'll say, well, such and such and such and such. We don't repeat these things once they leave the Maroose household. I'll go, hey, what'd you say? And they'll be broken for 25 years. Just like that. Like something about dads, I don't know what it is. We carry this immense weight about us, but nonetheless, the source is not even equally weighted. And I was researching the tongue. It's, it's a very gross thing, the tongue. And uh, it actually has eight muscles that never fatigue. Like, I don't know how many muscles are in my arm, but it gets tired quick. And like this thing's a machine. It's a stinking machine. And my words can turn into weapons. But what's so interesting is it's the heart that moves the tongue. So maybe it's, the, it's not the tongue that's relentlessly energized. Maybe it's the heart that's relentlessly energized. My sound, my sound team is with me. Now, let me move to a strategy. Let me move to some hope. Our words have the ability to create reality in people's minds if it's true or false. But think about how God wants to use you if that's true. Now, let me go to a softer saint. Go to the Apostle Paul. Go to Ephesians chapter four. He was in a better mood when the, the Spirit inspired him versus James. But go to Ephesians chapter four, and I'm gonna sit down on one verse, and I'm gonna challenge all of us, and I'm gonna lead the pack because I need to do this with you and set the example. But look at James, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four. James, we need a break from you. We'll see you next weekend, 429. This whole section in chapter four is about the new life. Ephesians chapter four is about the new life with Christ, that we're not the same, that Jesus has saved us and we have a new pattern and a, a new power in us to do things differently and we can overcome this, we can and so in verse 29, I love this verse. I'm working on memorizing this verse this week. Would you take that challenge? What if we memorize this verse together and put the word in our hearts? He says, let no corrupting talk. That's a perfect picture because I'm sitting at the table and, uh, and it's maybe my Thanksgiving table and the word corrupting talk in the Greek language literally means rotten fish, stank breath, I'm preaching to you. Yes, come on. You know what it is when you lean into the table of life and you don't realize what your breath smells like? He goes, you got fish breath on you right now. You're not aware of what your words are saying. He says, don't do that. Don't let fish talk, corrupting talk, come out of your mouth. Now, here he goes. He's going to make the move right here. But only, here's the strategy. Here's how we repair this right here but only such 
as is good for building up. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What does he mean right there? If you have a Bible, underline those two words, building up. That's the key. That's the hinge that the door swings on. What does he mean? Speak things that build up. Well, that's actually a construction uh, phrase. It's a construction phrase. So throw this slide up for me, this next slide. Here's what I want you to take a picture of or write down. Every conversation is a construction site. I know many of our people are in construction here in Ramstein. But I want you to think about the table as a construction site. Or maybe better yet, we got the Jenga thing on the table. Every table is a construction site. Your responsibility is to speak what builds people up. And what's amazing is I owe that person sitting across from me something that builds them up because they have a life of 50 plus people who have all nailed a board in, laid a brick down, put carpet, in, carpet down, and done all these good things to get them to be in a place where Christ wants them. I don't want to come in and with one swing hit the foundation and knock the work that all these investors have put into this soul. I just want to add to the good things that everyone else has built. And if somebody has put a broken beam in there to sabotage the building and hurt this person, then I want to come in and replace the beam with something strong. But that's what he says right there. And if we thought about tables and conversations this way, man, every conversation is a construction site. My responsibility is before Jesus Christ is to say the things that are going to build them up. Now, let me help you with something. Don't play Sesame Street with people. It's not what we're saying. Sometimes people need a nail. Sometimes building someone up is to tell them, stop doing that. You're killing yourself. That's building them stronger. So this isn't just table fluff. Sometimes some of you, I pray this week, would say the hard things to your friends that you know are breaking them down. So don't put sheetrock where a two-by-four needs to be, thinking it's going to hold up the second story. Let's put the right material in the right places. Thank you, sister. We're about the Bible here if you're new with us. Every conversation. And I'm excited about that because it tells me that God has invested in me this great power in my soul to be able to look at a soul and first listen, first listen to their stories, learn about them. And what's amazing to me is I find out sometimes I'll get a text three, four days later after sitting at the table of life with someone and they say, Pastor John, you said this thing and I've, I've walked with it all week and my week has been so different because of what you said. I say, what did I say? What did I say? I was tired. I don't think I spoke. And they'll say, no, you just said, hey, here's what God says. And I'm thinking to myself, that was a 10 seconds thing that came out of my mouth. But I heard a story, and I don't always do this well, by the way. <laughs> Some of you have been on the receiving end of that. But a 10-second moment that I've said stuck with them so much that three days later, they were still building on it. It had replaced something broken inside of them. 
I want to be encouraged about this, that every time I sit at a table, God has given me the power to heal people, to tear out the lies that someone said about someone at this table, to lay it down hard and free someone from something they're about to do that's going to destroy their life. I want to build up at the table. And who knows where each person is going next after they leave your table. Your words may be the last they hear. I remember reading this story when I first got here to pastor this church about 19 months ago. I had come from the belly of the beast. I was pastoring in San Francisco. It's the darkest place I could find to win people to Jesus. And I remember reading this story about a man who had been so hurt by words his whole life. And he walked halfway across the Golden Gate Bridge and he jumped off and committed suicide. And when they went to his apartment, he was a lonely man. He left a suicide note and it read, I'm gonna walk to that bridge and if one person smiles at me on the way, I won't jump. Now, I don't read that story to despair today. I read that story to encourage. That one sentence can save a life. There's power in our words. And maybe you've sat at the table and someone has said the wrong things to you for too long. Well, I want to encourage you in just a minute to leave the table for for a moment and let God speak to you. Because ultimately, he has the most healing words you'll ever hear. So I ask us all, what is your native, what is your native language? Make it the Bible. Make it the Bible. Let me give you a challenge. I told you every week I'm gonna give you a challenge and I'm taking these serious in my own life. Here's this week's challenge. Ask yourself this simple question. Will these words move them closer to God's? Amen. Let's pray. And I feel led to speak for some reason to those who have sat at the table and and just heard the wrong things. The wrong things and the wrong things. And maybe you've even felt stuck at that table. You have been on my heart more than anybody this week. And I want you to hear life-giving words. You sit at a new table called Frontline. And when you sit at this table, I pray with all my heart that you would hear words of life. So I tell you from the word of God. That if you don't feel like you belong at this table anymore, you don't know where your place is. You love to get up and run. Sit with God this morning and hear these words. You are loved always. You are more than a conqueror. 
God has so fashioned you and so prepared for you a work in this life that is going to blow your mind. God will never leave you nor forsake you. God's love over you will never fail. This is who you are. You are no longer a slave to these words that suck life from you. God is speaking to you today and reminding you that you are a child of God. Feast at that table. And if you're here this morning, you're watching online and you don't know this God, the sweetest words that you can ever hear are come unto me and I will give you rest for your weary soul. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your savior, the best way you know how right now with your heads bowed, ask him to save you and forgive you of your sins. Hear those words of God. Ask him to forgive you and save you from your sins just like that. But for the rest of us, we break free this morning. We're not gonna sit at this table. We're gonna stand at this table. And we're gonna declare over each other that whatever lies have been cast at us, that we are no longer slaves to these narratives and these words, but we are set free. So Father, would you help us now? Would you empower us with great boldness to sing some chains off, to sing some lies off, and so be restored by the power of your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.